You're listening to Episode 8 of the Becoming Aligned Podcast. Welcome to Becoming Aligned, where we'll step away from the busyness of our days to explore what it looks and feels like to create meaningful lives that align with our personal values. I'm your host, Maureen Ryan, the founder of Ryan Wellness. I hope these conversations will serve as inspiration and as a reminder that through the ups and downs, we're all in this together. In this episode, I continue my conversation with Lynn Rogers. In part one, we learn more about Lynn as a person. She shares stories that helped to shape her positive mindset and helped her discover her why. Please go back and listen if you missed it. In part two of our interview, we'll learn more about how Lynn went from training and being ready to do an Ironman to trying to figure out what was going on with her body as she experiences numbness, tingling, and pain, which quickly progressed. I'll let her explain in her own words. So what, what happened? So, um, so yeah, so I hadn't done, hadn't done an Ironman since Ironman Wisconsin. That was the only one I'd done. And going into 2017, I'm trying to get my year straight. So it would be the end of 2016. Um, Forever Matt Peterson is the, is the push point in my life of the, the Ironman that is doing something that I'm like, yeah, okay, I want to do that. Um, conversation, a conversation, uh, with, with he and, um, my friend and now, and now coach, uh, Jenny, oh, cool. they were doing, they told me that they were doing um, Ironman Canada, and it okay. is in Whistler. Mm-hmm. And Whistler is a place that I've heard of before I ever started to ski um, mm-hmm. as kind of like a wow, the mm-hmm. wow place, you know, yeah. it's an amazing place in the world. And I knew instantly that while I love cheering them on and, and have not, with rare exception, haven't missed uh, the opportunity to, to cheer, the, cheer them on from the sidelines. I just knew that that was going to be the one, you know, where mm. I said that I, 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 I'm not stood on the sideline in an Ironman and been like, yeah, you people look like you're having a blast. I want to go do that. <laughs> um, I, I just knew that this one was going to be different because okay. where it is yeah. in terms of the, the, like getting to be in these mountains, getting to be, by this ridiculously picturesque lake. Like, mm. I would want to be out ex- being in that yeah. and not just, you know, standing there is a way to be in it, but it's right. different. You want to experience um, it that to, way. To experience that, you know, 112-mile course and all that stuff. So mm. that was like, okay, yeah, I want to do that one. Um, and that, you know, that, that race day was um, July I believe it was July 31st. Mm-hmm. Um, if it wasn't July 31st, it was July 30th, maybe July okay. 30th, I think, of, of 2017. Um, so that started the training, and I tried to be mindful of um, you know the things that I had learned on the, the Ironman Wisconsin journey yeah. in terms of you know ride with people. And so Matt, Jenny, and I rode together when we could, when I could make that. You know, it's just tried to learn from it and make it its own experience and, and process, and, and have a good time with it and all that yeah. stuff. Um, it was, yeah, it was 10 days, um, before the race. So we had also with this, we had, um, organized, uh, I kind of organized the, um, the cheer, the cheer squad, uh, which has always been, I've always loved being part of. Um, Mm -hmm. and so we had, we're blessed with having families that really wanted to be there and even friends that really wanted to make the trip out there. And so had, you know, rented these two condos. 
um, for, you know, the, the week there. And, and we had this big crew of people who were completely filling two, oh. three or four bedroom each. So we had like wow. six bedrooms, four and a half bed. Like we had, we had, we had a good, we had a good slog of family that was going to be out there. That's awesome. Um, as well as friends. It was awesome. I was looking forward to it. I was looking forward to the vacation, you know, we, yeah. we had and another of like making it about the experience. Like, Tony and I were, we had, we were registered, we were going bungee jumping, and we were going uh, bobsledding, you know, it's cool. one of the bobsled, Olympic bobsled yeah. courses that you can do summer or winter, and oh, it was cool. going to be an experience that we weren't going to miss out on. Yeah, there were very cool things. We took um, a plane, a seaplane from um, Vancouver to Whistler, okay. so it lands on the lake. Um, to be able to, and I can't even describe to you how amazing wow. the um, the approach in through the mountains and everything else. So even the process of just getting there wow. um, was going to be a big deal. Yeah. And I was excited about That's it. Amazing. So it was, yeah, so all that stuff had come together. We were set to go, and it's 10 days out, and um, my my hands, I noticed that I went to, to wash my hands and the water felt really weird. It's mm. the best I can describe it. Like okay. it felt like my fingers were a little numb. It wasn't the right temperature. It just felt wrong. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and the next day, the next day, my, my feet started to have, um, they started to kind of pins and needles and went a little numb and I'm noticing it. And uh, I reached out to my infectious disease doctor. And the reason I reached out to him yeah. was that just, Three to four days prior, mm. I had finished the series of, mm. of shots required for uh, rabies vaccine. Yeah, yep. I, while being on a training ride, so this is another really awesome opportunity, um, we spent the weekend in California in wine country and did some pretty epic bike riding. And I did some long, you know, I was out there to train as well as um, to be in wine country and to help. Uh, Tony with um, with a big event at their vineyard, Visley Vineyards was having a big thing, so it was yeah. a great weekend. Yeah, uh, it was Fourth of July weekend, I believe. Okay, and I was bit by I was bit by a dog oh. while I was out on a training ride. I was on a bike. Yeah. I was on a bike. Dad was you know basically three almost three big puncture wounds from mm. the three of the four things you know went into my calf and then came out again, and then there was a scrape. Um, you could you can see the dog's teeth, both yeah. top and bottom, all the way around. You can kind of, it was like a dental impression yeah. in a scrape um, yeah. on my leg with these three uh, punctured wounds that were dribbling blood, but not you know I wasn't wasn't bleeding profusely or anything like that. Um, so I, I biked the rest of the way back to to the winery, which was I think 16 miles. I might have added some. I think I had 20 left to do on the ride or whatever. Okay. Yeah, um, finished. And, you know, the calf is like, it's just a dribble, it's just a dribble of blood. Yeah. That's a big deal. I cleaned it up a little bit. I had, I think I had 16 miles I needed to run mm -hmm. to finish my, my training for the day. So yeah. I did, you know, yeah. no big deal. And this is where, this is where potentially uh, social media can come and bite you in the butt. Uh -huh. I think left to my own devices, I would have been like, I'm fine. Yeah. You know, unless this thing starts to, like, I'm aware that puncture wounds are bad in right. terms of, you know, you're basically, um, anything is allowed to stay in them. Whereas, you know, wounds that bleed out, you might be bleeding out some of the bacteria that can cause problems in terms of infection. Mm -hmm. So I know that puncture wounds are not the best thing in the world. Right. And I think left to my own devices. Devices, I would have just like kept my eyes on it, kept yeah. it clean, used yeah. some vaccine, you know. Yeah. But I, I kind of did a little post like, hey, anyone, you know, do I need to see a doctor about that? 
yeah. can I just keep it really clean? What do we think? You yeah. know, and the yeah. entire world then tells you to go to the doctor, yeah. as they should. Yeah. As they should. Yeah. yeah. Um, and it ended up with a whole back and forth of realizing that the major concern is not infection, but the possibility of rabies for a dog that, you know, I have no idea of its background. Yeah. And we weren't able to ever find um, the owners to find the background or whatever, track them down. I tried a couple of times, but, it, you know, riding back out, out, out there and all that stuff, but yeah, never found okay. So I come back to Chicago. And I have no information about yeah. the dog and see infectious disease and they do what they absolutely should do, which right. is to say, you know, rabies is pretty much 100% fatal. <laughs> um, yeah. We have this vaccine. It's a lot of shots. Yeah. Um, and I'm sure in there, maybe somewhere, was a, was a low, low percentage and it's fractional upon fractional of, you know, there being issues that can be presented by the vaccine itself. Mm-hmm. Um, but I did what was 100% the right choice yeah, and yeah, uh, had those vaccines. Yep. But, yeah, would eventually end up with these crazy symptoms. So I yeah. called infectious disease when my hands were numb and my feet were numb and, you know, was told that, yes, you know, transient paresthesias can happen, but, you know, it's no big deal. Um, and then the next day, so I was feeling, you know, I was like, all right, it's cool. I, you know, reached out to the doctor and the doctor says, no big deal. Keep yeah. him abreast of the situation. And the next, the next day my tongue went numb and oh, things goodness. started to taste really weird. Okay. And that was the trip point for me to be like, that, that one freaked me out. It yeah. was like, it's coming closer to my head. You yeah. know, it's in my head. It's coming closer to my brain. Yeah. It's becoming more central. And, uh, yeah. So mm-hmm. would end up. Would end up in the ER, would end up uh, in the hospital for, um, I think, five days at that point. Okay. And it was interesting because basically this was a Friday. And by the time I went to see doctor, doctor, da, 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 no, you know what? The only way that we're going to be able to get you to see a neurologist is if you go through the ER. This would come to be a theme in my life. Okay. Um, by the time I get to the ER, it's probably three or four in the afternoon on a Friday, uh-huh. which is awesome. Um, and, you know, they bring me in finally get me in, do a number of, do a number of assessments. Um, and most things are fine. Um, one that was uh, not fine and not funny at the time, but now I find absolutely hysterical was a point in the end, one of the neurological assessments by one of the 822, um, medical students that come through when you're in a teaching hospital. And I was asked how many nickels are in a dollar 35. And I couldn't answer. And I couldn't even not answer, but I couldn't figure out how to come up with the answer. And I just started bawling. Started absolutely bawling. Now, it would turn out that there is nothing about the disease that I end up having in this whole story that has anything to do with why I couldn't come up with how to do that. I think that was stress. Yeah, I was going to say, the stress of that. The day of being completely freaked out. But that ended up being a trick point for the doctors in the ER as well, of being like, we're going to find out what's wrong with you. We'll get you, you know, admitted. This will be okay. Wow. Kind of funny in retrospect, yeah. but it was definitely not yeah. at the time. Okay. Um, wow. Yeah. But yeah, they put, well, they brought me in and I ended up being in the hospital for about four or five days, definitely through Monday, okay. because they wanted to do, um, there were tests that they wanted to do that there were, the, the clinic that they'd have to send me to is not open on the weekend. So it was better to have me in the hospital where they could... Um, do a series of, you know, an MRI and all this other stuff um, and wait 
then to be able to do the next set of testing by Monday. Um, so I was there. And I was uh, like, that was the most, that was a riot because, you know, they put me on, I was on a neuro floor. I was hanging out in a t-shirt and shorts. Um, Friends came and we played cards. We hung out. We watched TV. Like, you know, there was, everybody brought dinner. Like, I started joking. They had me on, you know, they have to put an IV line in um, when you're on the neuro floor. It's just part of one of the things that need to happen. And eventually, um, you know, they had me hooked up with, with an IV with fluids. And I was like, fantastic. Mm-hmm. I'm now, I'm tapering. I'm now, oh you know, gosh. less than a week from this race. Oh, wow. Like, sure. I'm yeah. supposed to be staying hydrated. Rock on. So basically, everybody brought me every carb known to man. And I was on an IV. And it was like, this is the most aggressive taper in history. It's, you know, it's all right. And I felt okay. I really felt okay. Yeah, okay. Um, and they would come to find nothing with the test that they did on that Monday, even though lemonade still tasted really weird and we went, Tony and I went for a walk at one point. I remember just feeling like, you know what, stepping down from a curb and just thinking, that didn't feel like, just my muscles didn't feel right. But yeah. it was just a moment, and then it was gone. And every yeah. test I was taking, I passed. Um, so, yeah, so I was, I was yeah. sent home. Um, and like every normal person does, the moment I got out of the hospital, I set my bike up on the trainer in my living room and got on the bike to do, to do a bike ride. Yeah. Um, and the bike ride was okay, uh, but it felt a little weird. And I was like, all right, well, I've been laying around for three days, yeah. like four days, whatever yeah. it was. Like, all right, that feels weird. That's fine. And um, when I was done with the ride, I changed into to jogging stuff, and I was going to do, like, a 10- or 15-minute run. Shake okay. the legs out. You know, I hadn't run again in five days or whatever. Yeah. Um, and I went to run, and I couldn't. Oh. Um, I couldn't push off. I could tell that I was going to collapse if I tried to land like the coordination like it was just wrong everything yeah. felt wrong it was not okay yeah um and I came back in falling crying again mm. um just saying I'm, I'm not okay this is yeah. not okay um the next day I went to work I had experiments I needed to run in the morning um but then also had the opportunity in the awesomeness of, of working in the Shirley Ryan Ability Lab, which is a rehabilitation hospital, yeah. um, talked to the doctors that I work with and explained what was going on. Yeah. Um, one of my good friends who is a physical therapist worked the schedule and got me in with a, uh, a neuro PT for, okay, wow. you know, an hour after I finished um, the experiments that I needed to do that morning. That's and they did amazing. a full workup. And she had a number of things that we found eyes closed, trying to walk with my eyes closed. I was basically like going to be on the floor and, yeah. you know, a number of more complex coordination things that they never tested at the hospital were clearly a problem. Yeah. And she was just, she did her write up and then handed it to me and said, you need to go across the street to a neurologist. Like yeah. you need to see them. There's, you know, it's not okay. I'm like, yeah. all right, go over, try to do that. Ended up with a whole back and forth, uh, through the ER again. Um, and would end up, yeah, they did spinal tap. They were looking at, um, you know, the, all the, the things that we needed another EMG at that point. Um, and again, nothing was wrong. Nothing was wrong. Wow. I couldn't find anything that was wrong. Um, there were, I'll never forget this, there were a couple of uh, bulging discs okay. that were in my back, which yeah. I swear to you, as someone that works in this field, any of us, any yeah. of us, any yep. adult, if they were to get a scan done, 
you're going to find something that's, you know, in a disc that's not looking exactly right. And I get that, you know, they're trying to help and they're trying to find things that might be wrong. But Mm -hmm. um, at that point, it was just like, well, you have these three bulging discs. So that's probably why these three areas of your body are going numb. That's Mm -hmm. the only explanation we have. Mm -hmm. You know, maybe, maybe, you know, definitely like maybe don't do this right thing. But, you know. I had done everything that I could do to try to find answers, and there weren't any. Um, And there's no question that the fact that my family was all coming um, to see me and our friends were all the way out there. My parents, by the way, at this point are on an Alaskan cruise, and so there was no way. I was not going to get a hold of them and be like, hey, I'm in the hospital. You know, I couldn't do anything. Yeah, Um, so you hadn't updated them on on what was going on. Yeah, I understand that. I hadn't. I I called my sister. There is there is a rule in our family um, that you know when things like this happen, you let people know. Mm-hmm. Um, my sister, who was also on vacation, she was um, she was at Walt Disney World, Aww. and I called her, and she was in line for a ride. Oh. <laughs> but we chatted for a little bit. Like, yeah. I'm like I remember. I'm like, are you doing anything? She's like, no, I'm just in line for God knows what, the flying teacups. You know. <laughs> but I'm like, yeah, sure, I can chat. I'm like, okay, here's the situation. Um, yeah. And so we consulted, and the yeah. two of us, whether my parents agreed with this or not, in the end, decided that you know what, we're not going to say anything. This is when I was still in the hospital over the weekend. We didn't have any answers. It was like until we know what the hell is going on. Until we have some answers. Um, yeah. We're probably not going to try to do a you know ship to shore or whatever. Um, yeah. to talk to my parents. So there's no question that that all kind of drove me to the fact that mm. I'd done everything I possibly could. Um, my flight then was basically 12 hours mm. from when I was released from the hospital. Oh, my goodness. And so I, I went home. Um, I found a place to have a massage. My back had been a disaster in the hospital, and I couldn't get any answers for why my back was killing me. It yeah. would always kill me overnight into first thing in the morning. Like, I can't even describe this pain. Okay. I couldn't walk. I was, or I shouldn't sound like I just couldn't walk. I was, I couldn't sit still. It was in so much pain I couldn't sit still. Uh, um, I would pace and ball, um, oh, pace man. circles around the hospital floor. And no one really took notice of that. Like, I don't ever, like, I remember asking huh. for a doctor. And, of course, in the middle of the night, it's a resident. Yeah. And the resident looked at me and said, what do you, what do you want me to do? Mm. And I was screaming at him saying, your job. I would like you to do your job. I would like you to be the doctor that's trying, you know, I would like you to help me figure out what the hell is going on. Yeah. Um, you know, yeah, yeah not a sure. good, not a good thing. But every, yeah. every morning by about 10, when the neurologists would do their rounds, it wasn't really hurting anymore. It was uh. a fraction of a fraction of what it used to be. It was really, really weird. Huh. Um, I now know, I now know what that was, but nobody knew, nobody knew what it was at the time. Okay. Um, there is a thing called nerve root pain that happens and can happen in um, the disease that we find out that I had. But yeah, so I had 12 hours, I got a massage and I did the fastest Ironman packing you have ever seen <laughs> oh in this place gosh. and <sighs> got on the plane yeah. the next morning. So we made it and we got on the plane and I was falling behind Tony, walking through the airport. Yeah. I couldn't keep up with him. I was yeah. doing the best that I could. I was, I knew I wasn't okay. I knew yeah. I was not okay. Got, and I got slower and slower walking. Um, but we did our, we did our flight and I was so thrilled that we had done, you know, this, this float plane flying into Whistler and got to experience that uh, flying in. And we had those first few days on the front side. So I was getting weaker and weaker. Um, I was having a harder time walking. 
Um, I was having a hard time doing anything, but I would just, I kept, we kept moving. So we went and we went bungee jumping. Oh my gosh, Lynn. I was wondering if you did. And I signed the release form that says, you know, (laughs) yeah, there's nothing wrong with me. Well, Tony is basically helping me walk along and navigate, you know, things downstairs. And we did, we did our bobsled and that was after I checked my bike I checked my biking for the race because there's always this, like, this thing came on. Maybe I'll wake up in the morning and it'll be fine. You know, who knows? Who knows? Who knows? But I was doing all the things that you need to do to get ready for race morning while also, you know, doing the things that we decided that we wanted to do that I didn't want to be so sore for I couldn't enjoy, which is why we put the bobsledding and the the bungee jumping on the front side, which was phenomenal. It was awesome. Um, yeah, and I, I mean, right up to Saturday where I'm trying to set my bike and we're getting up to where I'm going to put, put my bike in a transition and my family was all, I think they went out, they all went out to get food or everybody was just getting other details and I was the only one left at the house mm-hmm. and I was trying to figure out ways. I eventually had a plan that I was going to like carry a, a string bag on my back mm-hmm. during the bike portion that had regular running shoes in it in case the clip in clip out was too much. Like oh. that was how weak I was, that I was wow. not feeling like I could do that. Maybe I could pedal on red. Like I'm just trying to, yeah. like, it's, it's ridiculous, You're but I am problem solving. solving ridiculous. Yeah. Yeah. I couldn't, I did not, I almost bit it like two or three times just trying to ride in this little cul-de-sac that okay. our condo was in. Okay. I was not okay. Just yeah. barely able to get up in the saddle, but I'm still like, all right, all right, whatever. Mm. All right. It'll yeah. be fine. Um, and then I'm like, well, maybe I can just do the swim. I'll just do the swim. You know, my legs aren't working really well. I'll just do the swim. Yeah. So we, we drop my bike off. And at the point that we drop my bike off and drop off special needs, I see this lake that we are going to swim in. Yeah. And I am just, I was just, I, I was, I, again, started to cry. Yeah. Um, because I didn't want to miss it. It was so beautiful. Oh. I can't even describe how amazing upsetting to swim this would have been in. Yeah. Um, but I tried to do a practice swim and okay. it was terrible. Yeah. It was not good. Yeah. Um, so it was, yeah, it was pretty obvious. But I had split, you know, I'd been given prescription medicines and I'd been done whatever. And I had capsaicin patches for this horrible back pain. And I had been split into all my little bags that could be in mm. special needs in these various places on the course. Like I wow. spent hours and hours and hours trying to create a scenario that maybe even if it's not 100%, if I can get through this in some way somehow. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I was getting worse and worse and worse. Yeah. And by by that morning, um, there was no way. And thankfully, I didn't do anything stupid. Yeah. Um, and had uh, had Tony bring me down to the start because I wanted to see mm. off um, the crew that were yes. racing. And I also needed to retrieve my um, the pair of shoes that I thought that I was going to be able to carry on my back. I yeah. kind of needed them. They were yeah. the only shoes that I had. <laughs> to be able to <laughs> so we had to be like okay this is a problem and I couldn't wear flip-flops by this point I, I was that was going to be I was going to kill myself okay um, so I'm walking barefoot at three in the morning oh. to try to go retrieve my shoes it yeah. was completely ridiculous yeah um but we did um yeah. and so I just shift modes and I you know I uh I was I was cheerleader yeah. um and Everybody else had a great day, and I actually had a great time, um, you know, hanging out with the people that I wouldn't have been hanging out with. Yeah. Um, our good friends, 
came up from Seattle, and it was um, the first time meeting his now fiance. Oh. And I wouldn't, I would have barely have met her because I would have been, you know, out yeah. there doing my thing for yeah. 13, 14, 15, whatever hours it would have been. Um, but we had a chance to, I had a chance to get to know her a little bit yeah. and, and spend time. So there's always, wow. there's always something, you Looking know, the, the friends that, that came out, we hung out together instead. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the bottom line is that I would end up basically having to take an emergency flight out of, okay. um, out of Vancouver. Um, we went the next day then, um, I couldn't get down the stairs. I'm scooting on my butt down the stairs. Oh, I can't, goodness. I can't, I can't manage anything. Yeah. And I was in horrific pain, horrific yeah. pain. I was up all night. And that was the case throughout that entire time in Whistler. Okay. All night long, I would crawl back and forth to the bathroom where I would run the hottest shower and bath I possibly could because it was the only thing that would relieve the pain in my back. Okay. That would show up in the evening. In the evenings. Okay. um, Only overnight. And would, yeah, would crawl and then crawl my way. Um, and it kept getting harder and harder and harder to dip into it out of the bathtub. So I was completely like, yeah, it was not mm. good. Um, literally crawling and pulling myself in and out and then would crawl a bit over to um, to the bed and try. I would sleep on the floor, mm. try to get pillows. Like, it was bad. Yeah. And I would just repeat this process over and over and over again of, you know, I'd be comfortable for a little while and try to get a little sleep and I couldn't and then eventually crawl my way back into the tub again. Yeah. Um, all night long, all night long. And finally that, that night, um, when, after everyone else had raced, um, all of that is still happening and I'm having this horrible pain and, you know, Tony is living this up there with me, which was awful for him. Um, and the numbness in my hands and the tingling in my hands started to like go up my arms. I could actually like feel it going up my arms and there is a tightness that I had, um, it's called band pain. I now know that was a roll ah. across my chest. That was that band was starting to happen, and that's a really scary feeling when you're suddenly like feeling like, hey, there's a bite that's coming around me. Oh my goodness! Um, and it's not letting go, and this is pain. And that was where I I said I said to Tony, I was just like, uh, we have to go. We have to go home. We have yeah. to get here. Like yeah. this is not. This is not. And so he started making phone calls to find out what flights were available and what price they were. Yeah. Um, the next morning, we would go to um, their emergency uh, health facility in Whistler, which is wonderful, which shouldn't have been surprising to me, given, you know, massive head trauma that can happen with, you know, the, some of the steepest skiing and that it was an Olympic site and all this stuff. They have a wonderful medical facility in, in yeah. the town of Whistler. Yeah, yeah. And uh, through uh, really a great doctor who took the time um, to listen and figure out what was going on and called Vancouver and consulted with a neurologist. And basically they came down to the bottom line of um, they were, they were becoming concerned that, you know, my legs weren't working, my arms weren't working. Everybody's concerned about my breathing and that would remain for months um, because those are the next set of muscles that, that, that are often involved okay. and what they're thinking, but no one is saying out loud. No one is saying to me, Guillain-Barre at this point, it has been subtly mentioned. I know obviously my sister and, uh, boyfriend Tony were, um, Googling up a storm to try mm-hmm. and figure out what was going on. Yeah, oh, I can only they imagine. They both had a decent-sized idea. And, and, you know, it had been talked about in passing kind of maybe um, at Northwestern when I was there the first time, but nobody really wanted to say it. Um, and so it was like, okay, here's what, we, here's what we think we should do. You should go to Vancouver. You should go to the airport because the Vancouver, um, the hospital in downtown Vancouver is not far from yeah. the, the airport. 
and it's basically if you're breathing okay, get on a plane. Because yeah. it's a four-hour flight. Dang. And getting back to Chicago will be a good thing. Yeah. And wow. uh, But if you're breathing, if at any point you feel like you can't breathe, um, just go straight over to the hospital. Okay, yep. Um, so I made it, yeah, I made it on the plane. And I couldn't figure out, it was an overnight flight, so the okay. red eye, and I okay. could not figure out how I was going to get through it. Because um, yeah. given the fact that I had not made it through a night without say, crawling in and out of a shower room, yeah. Oh goodness. So this lovely doctor in uh, in Whistler uh, gave me gave me a prescription that helped tremendously, okay. and so I ended up I slept the first half, and then I woke up and held the barf bag in my hand. Mm. I'm, mm. And I'm sitting next to people, like Tony and I are mm. each on an aisle, um, and so we're each next to strangers, and so I'm sure these people next to me, I mean, how much do you love spending hours <laughs> next to a person holding a barf bag? Like, oh that's your goodness. dream, and I know, obviously, that's what you're hoping for. <laughs> the funniest part about oh. it to me is that I make it all the way through the flight, we land, and I throw up. No. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> We are on the ground. We have made it. Aww. And I'm barfing like you would not believe. Oh, yeah. Man, yeah. No. Yeah. It was hysterical. It was, I mean, it was really funny. Oh. Um, but we would, yeah, we took a cab from the airport to Northwestern Memorial Hospital. And uh, I would stay there for a month. Wow. And that's the point at which they were finally able to diagnose um, what then we called Guillain-Barre. Yeah, Guillain-Barre. Guillain-Barre syndrome is what it looked like, okay. um, what it presented as, which is an autoimmune disease. Um, the body, there is a trigger that happens. Um, in my case, we think it was most likely that rabies vaccine, okay. although it could have been an upper respiratory infection. It could have been the tetanus vaccination that I was given as well. Yeah, It could have been yeah. none of those things and something else. We honestly will never know. But rabies, the rabies vaccine is probably, for me, what the trigger was. Um, that turned my body against itself and, um, you, your body starts attacking. It can't, it can't differentiate friend from foe. And, um, in the case of Guillain-Barre, it it attacks, the body attacks itself, um, in terms of the, the myelin coating, um, on, on the peripheral nerves, the nerves in the extremities of the body, which was why, um, it started with the sensory nerves, which is the tingling and things. Um, but then eventually got to those motor nerves, which is why um, I was then getting weaker and weaker and would eventually be uh, paralyzed from the chest down. Wow. How, so you yeah. got to the hospital yeah. and then like, how, like, are you, gosh, okay. Yeah. So are you freaking out? I mean, I'm just wondering, like, are you able to stay calm in these never, situations or I don't, I don't know what I, I would respond like. I don't know why. I know. And my dad throughout this, kept saying in, in moments of, I can't even imagine what's going through your head right now, yeah. you know, which is completely valid, right? Yeah. I don't know why, but I was not freaking out. Okay. I wow. was not freaking out. Um, I don't know if that's because of where I work, maybe, yeah. I mean, which seems counterintuitive because there's a lot of people that work work in a rehabilitation facility or work in a hospital mm-hmm. that are then, you know, they see bad yes. things. And yeah. so they are very aware of yeah. what bad things look like and that this isn't good and it can make it actually worse. Um, for me, you know, this wasn't something I was familiar with. Mm-hmm. So it's not like I had had a stroke. That's something that I am more familiar with than what I had studied. Yeah. Um, I knew I hadn't had a major spinal cord injury, although, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm paralyzed. I don't know why I wasn't freaking out. Yeah. But there was, there was just a, I don't know, the only thing, the only thing that I was kind of feeling is just, Okay, this is what happens next. 
this so you're is like next. you're like in this problem is... solving mode in a sense like what do i need to do i'm in problem solving step? mode i'm yeah. in problem solving mode yeah and maybe maybe in the fact that i see what mm. my colleagues can do and how people rebuild and wow. i understand what goes into hard work of rebuilding your system yeah. if you can't move your legs or your muscles aren't working um, and they're explaining to me that it's, you know, something that um, does not, is not permanent, um, that people, you know, what is said to me is most people recover. Um, numbers like 90% of people recover or even 99% of people recover is said right. to me at, at various points in time. I think that was calming. Yeah. And I just took it as, then that will be me. Okay. Will, yeah. That will be me. And that's what's going to happen. Yeah. And so... Um, until proven otherwise, I was uh, just yep. going to assume that, and I don't, I don't know why, I don't know where that came from. I wish I could say to you, or I'm, I'm glad I didn't have to, like, it wasn't a feat of having to like talk myself down from a yeah. freak out. No, I just great. didn't freak out. I just didn't, it didn't happen. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. It's like, you don't but know, was, yeah. I guess you don't know what yeah. you're going to respond to, like in a situation like this, unless you're going through it. You have it, but... no idea. Whew. You have no idea what you're, how you're going to respond. Yeah. You have no clue whatsoever how you're going to respond to anything to yeah, any kind no, of absolutely. trauma situation whatnot nope yeah. no clue so so like what helped so what was helping you get through this so first you think it's you know it's just the TBS, mm -hmm. and then i mean you discover there's more to yep. it as you go along but right right what right so we would to... start to would yeah, help me stay through stay yeah. through it um and Friends and family were, were massive, yeah. were massive. And I should say, I mean, friends, and in many cases, friends bridge um, colleagues. So yeah. colleagues and friends are mixed together here for me, um, as well as, you know, my, my friends um, outside of the hospital and outside of this network, um, yeah. and then my family. Um, my sister, we, we would get to, my and my sister basically slept on a bench in my hospital room for two weeks. She wow. never left. Um, mm. She just didn't leave. And mm. so she was there through every one of those overnights that mm. were a million horrible stories, I can tell you, of pain yeah. and things that, but, but at the same time, there's things that we literally laugh about now. Yeah. And part yeah. of the reason it's funny is because someone else was there. Yeah. You know, someone else saw me, like, when, you, when, you're, when, you're, when you're throwing up orange pop to the point where I actually got it all over the back of me, oh the back gosh. of my sports bra. Like, like my head doesn't turn that way. <laughs> I don't even know how that's possible. Like, exactly. You have to laugh. And Aww. so, you know, my, my sister was, God bless her, my sister was there for that. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we laugh about that as, as, as well as many other things. Um, I actually remember laughter more than anything else wow. from the five and a half months, I would end up being um, in hospitalized, whether it was at uh, Northwestern or whether it was at my my workplace, Shirley, yeah. Shirley Ryan Ability Lab. Um, I'm it's laughing with my family. It's my, you know, my sister and Tony laughing with each other, mm. uh, friends coming in and telling stories and hanging out with my family and, and hanging out with me and just being, being there. Yeah. Um, you know, good friend Tom came and spent his birthday yeah. with me. We, yeah. we sat for hours and just Aww. talked the whole time. Like awesome. those things yeah. without those things, I, I don't know. I'm glad yeah. I don't have to know, yeah, don't have um, to know. Yep. how that would go. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, that was that was huge for me. I think in in being sane. Yeah. Um, through all of it. <sighs> 
can you tell everyone where you're at right now with the, with everything? Sure, yeah. So, you know, what would happen in this journey, um, we would come to find out that, so the Guillain-Barre is, is an acute illness. Um, it's actually other name for the most common form that happens in the United States is acute inflammatory demyelinating polyneuropathy. Um, the acute meaning that it's a, it's a short-term you know, short-lived phenomenon. Um, your antibodies turn on you basically once and attack okay. your myelin and do a lot of damage. Um, but then, you know, you are able to remyelinate, you're able to recover. You know, all of that depends on how early treatment was able to reach you, um, what support you have, how much physical therapy you're able to do. Like, there's a million factors, okay. but the recovery happens from there. Got it. Um, what we would discover by the fact that I would do really well in the hospital, and once we finally got the right treatment, there are only three treatments that exist um, huh. for Guillain-Barre or, as it comes to be, um, CIDP. Okay. Um, you, and if, if you don't respond to the first one, then they try the next one. If you don't respond to that one, you're in trouble, but there is at least, like, steroids, and there are some... Um, chemotherapy drugs that are very much investigational that okay. are maybes for okay. a health, but you've got, you've got steroids, you've got what's called plasmapheresis, and you've got what's called um, intravenous interglobulin treatment, which I just stumbled all over, but IVIG is, okay. or IG is what it's, what it's referred as. Um, so I would get, I would get the treatment. We, we would eventually find that plasmapheresis is the right treatment for me. Okay. Um, I would, and I would get better um, so that we could transfer me to um, the Rehabilitation Institute. And I would be fine for about 10 to 14 days. And then I would have a relapse. Okay. I would think all of a sudden I couldn't, you know, use body parts anymore. And hmm. the first time um, my physical therapist went to bat for me big time, going in with the doctors and they had decided that they were going to, you know, things didn't look good, but they weren't going to, they were going to wait it out. Maybe, you know, um, it was only, I'd only had one type of treatment at that point and she stepped up and was like, no, yeah. I, let me show you the numbers. I've done all the tests. Like we are getting worse. Yeah. She needs to go back. And she was hundred percent right because that was the point at which I went back to the hospital and they changed and tried the second treatment and okay. that worked, which was oh. amazing. Wow. Um, she is my lifesaver. I was going to say, that's amazing. I am tremendously grateful to her. And she actually won an award at the hospital. That's awesome. Um, for that moment, mm. <laughs> which was a weird thing to read in a newsletter where, yeah. you're, you know, they didn't, obviously, they, it was anonymous. It was just, you know, for stepping in with the patient. And I'm yeah. like, I know that story. It was interesting. <laughs> um, yeah. yeah it was, but it was, but it was, it was an amazing moment. But yeah. so I would, yeah, so I would have these and then we got to recognize them. Um, that would happen two more times Okay. Um, where I would have to go back to Northwestern and we would do a set of treatments. And so after time three, I'm now, it's now late October. Um, and I was making good progress. So I made good progress in the hospital um, in terms of the fact that, you know, the first time, the first day we tried in rehab to walk, I think if I'm not mistaken, there's a, a test called a six minute walk test. Okay. And um, it was my first time standing up um, and trying to use a walker since my first couple of days um, at Northwestern. Wow. And I think I walked with that walker in six minutes, and I had to stop and sit down hmm. and rest at least twice Yeah. in this. 
Um, I think I walked, I think the end, it was like 45 feet, if I'm not mistaken. Wow. Um, I would just slowly build on that. You know, each time we would try those things, eventually I was able to get up and eventually I was able to get up and stand and stand to the point where we started working with, you know, a, a overground harness sort of attach to the ceiling so I don't fall Um, and using um, forearm crutches and, you know, just bit by bit by bit forward. And even when I would go back to the hospital, it would knock me back a little bit. I couldn't, you know, and, but, but then I would, I would, things would do better. We would get back to rehab and we would just get back to work. Um, And so my, you know, my, my stipulation and my need for leaving rehab, the rehab hospital was, you know, we live, we live in a, a city condo mm-hmm. there. We are on what is essentially a second floor. Okay. Um, you know, there's steps yeah. that I have to be able to get up yeah. to be able to, to go home. Yeah. And I needed to be able to do that. You yeah. know, I am, I am a young person. My, uh, Tony is, Tony is younger than me. Yeah. And so the idea of, I was just not willing to ask, of him yeah. to then be responsible for me, you know, mm-hmm. at home. That was not something that I was okay with. Yeah. That that was just no way. Um, so that was my goal. And so when when I when they sent me home in October, mm-hmm. um, I was able to get up the stairs and I was able to you know to get around with uh, forearm crutches for for a bit of distance. Okay. Um, I think I was up to. I want to say maybe 1,900 meters okay. with that walk, you know, up yeah. from that or 1,900 feet. Let's just start whatever it was. I'm sorry, up from that like 45 feet. Um, I probably have my numbers completely screwy at this point in time, yeah. but it had, it had gotten itself, you know, slowly there. But I went home yeah. with my I went home with my uh, my wheelchair and okay. um, you know crutches, and I had a plan for how things were going to work and how I was going to be able to make them work. Um, I yeah. would have from home there. I only, I was only able to be at home for 10 days okay. and then had another relapse. And that was the final stamp on this uh, is CIDP. So okay. CIDP is this chronic version where basically as far as they, there's not a ton known, but, um, basically the, the, the antibodies that the autoantibodies that attack the myelin, um, in, in Guillain-Barre, it's, you know, that happens once in um, CIDP, I keep making those autoantibodies. Oh, and see. so they keep reattacking okay. the, the myelin. And so we and have to keep treating okay. mm-hmm, um, to be able to get rid of that. Mm. Um, so now it's a, a chronically managed situation. Yeah. So where I am now is now, you know, what are we, six months out from from November there? Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm, and I'm... So I'm, I'm walking. Um, I was immediately, my first goal for myself was to mm. get to running. Yeah. So that was, you know, we've got some really good, I've got phenomenal therapists and some, some wonderful tools to work with mm. um, here at uh, the Shirley Ryan Ability Lab. So yeah. we were able to get me up on what's called an Ultra-G treadmill really, really early. It That's lifts cool. you up and allows you to, to get up and move and run. And so by New Year's Day, I went to a regular, my regular gym with a treadmill and was able to, for the first time by myself without Mm. a harness or a fancy treadmill or anything else, um, Mm. I ran for the first time and it, you know, I just did a little bit of running and then I would walk and then a little bit of running and then I would walk. Um, I think it took me an hour to go three miles if I remember correctly, but, but it was, 
it was mine, you know, and it was, it was done before the end of the year. Um, and that was a big deal. And now I'm, you know, I ran, yeah, I ran nine miles on Monday. I did. I ran, I ran five miles this morning with the girls that I run with on Wednesday morning or Wednesday morning crew. Like I've just slowly been able to, and they've dialed it back and, you know, have been, they run my pace and my pace is slowly picking up, although it's not, that's not the point. Yeah. Not that it matters. I know. I was like, I blew my own mind. Yeah. Nine minute miles or something. I blew my own mind. I blew my own mind. I blew my own mind. I thought, and I had had a rough week before that um, with some, with some like little, you know, there are, there are good days and there are bad days. There was a string of them that weren't the greatest uh, before that. And I honestly thought I would be lucky. Just getting out there was awesome. I'm like, sweet. I'm going to be able to do this. Um, I was thinking that I was going to run about a 12 minute mile pace and try to hold there and then maybe speed up into the 11th if I was lucky. And yeah, I ran it at like, 930 some on pace like I was hoping to break an hour and I ran it in 47 something which just blew my mind blew my mind um that was exciting and it was fun it was kind of fun I love you know it was it was a great day so it's it's building those things back again you know I bike to work every day I've been doing that since I started outpatient therapy okay um it's something that I can do I swim a huge 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 part of this is for me, and one of my other learning moments in life um, is that I've been crossfitting from, mm. since January of 2012, okay. uh, CrossFit Defined, and that's been a game changer for me in terms of the fact that I was a beat up, thought I was too old to run, I was like 35, <laughs> I thought I was too old to run, uh, you know, I was just, I was all these injuries, oh, yeah. I'm getting too old for this kind yeah. of thing, and it was like, no, you're too weak for this, you yeah. moron, like you've been running in a straight line for yeah. years. How about maybe, you know, strengthening something else? Yeah. How about doing something else? Yeah. And that was game changing. That's awesome. um, and so I have been very committed to that um, since the moment that I've been released from the hospital. And I have amazing coaches that have been behind me. And this is another where, you know, you learn lessons that, that apply later. Yeah. When I broke my foot um, in Wisconsin, I had this big cast and I had that cast for three months, yeah. you know, I, I was casted at the beginning of September. And um, I remember running the first time on New Year's Eve of that oh, wow. year um, okay. as well. So do. it was, yeah. I think I was casted for three, three and a half months, something like that. And they had a boot and whatever. Yeah. Um, but through all of that, I went to CrossFit mm-hmm. and I worked with my coaches and we just modified everything. Yeah. And so I did everything on my knee or sitting right. or, you Get know, right away. it yeah. was kind of my first entree into how much that everything can be modified. Yeah. Everything can be altered and changed to find, you know, the same goals and emotion. And so it yeah. was just so easy to do it again. It was yeah. so easy to literally start at nothing. And so we, we put you know, um, mass behind me so that if I'm working on a squat, if I were to lose my balance, I'm just mm-hmm. going to fall back into a sitting position. Yeah. And I started with literally a PVC pipe, yep. a piece of plastic yep. was my bar, Yeah, you know, and then I would go to a five pound weight and then I would, and then I would, and then I would, you know, yeah. it, was, yeah. it was just a slow and it has been a slow progression. Um, so I do CrossFit and I've been doing following a very specific and kind of intensive powerlifting um, series now I'm in the middle of it over okay. a six week span because I really wanted to make sure that, um, now that I'm back to work and I'm back to work full time, 
You know, I can't just, when I did, there was a span of doing outpatient therapy where I was living at home, but I wasn't back to work yet. Yeah. That my job was therapy, you know, and my job was therapy while I was hospitalized as well. But now that I need to, you know, go to work, um, I want to make sure that I'm still putting the right amount of time and putting emphasis into those things that are important to continue to build strength. That is the the foundation that I am literally working off of. So um, my crew at, uh, at CrossFit Defined has been phenomenal in, in working me through that and being there through that. And that's another team community, community community I found along the way of life. Exactly. The people you connect with. Yeah, and that's. I'm glad you so brought that I'm doing, up. I mean, I'm doing great. Yeah, that's awesome. Well, you know, we when we talked about the, you know, your foot and after your first Ironman, like, I was, I didn't even get to the, you know, to the rehab of that because I was thinking that probably was going to be pivotal in terms of how you dealt with this, you know, getting through this right now. It's totally. like, so just even knowing yep. that you can modify and do things, and that sounds like it's been really valuable. So that's that's interesting. Oh, it's been so about. it's been so valuable. Yeah, for sure. It has ended up with an entire army of mm-hmm. um, devices. If anyone, like, I could serve as a lending facility for hospital <laughs> devices. You know, I have I have a wheelchair. I have crutches. Yeah. I have a you know a, a peg leg that I used when I when I had my leg broken and I couldn't handle dealing with crutches. Yeah. Um, I oh have four, two sets of forearm crutches. I have you know bone oh stimulators. Goodness. I have. We have a ridiculous amount of stuff for every phase of recovery. Wow. For wow. every phase. Well, I'm so glad to hear that you're doing you're doing well. And I know there's like – and I find it fascinating because I feel like when you, you have some these good days and then you, and you have the setbacks or the setbacks. And yeah, I, for sure. And for it sure. seems like you – you once again, it doesn't seem like it at least. It doesn't seem like you freak out about it. It's like, okay – I don't know. Are you just like plan? Is that part uh, of the plan? Like I'm going to have some setbacks. I'm going to roll with it and we're just going to keep moving along. Or like, how do you manage those setbacks? Well, you know, it certainly wasn't part of the plan. <laughs> I know. I know. <laughs> I had my no ideal plan. Right. Um, you know, what's interesting in, in many cases, the setbacks have been the hardest to deal with. Uh-huh. Not necessarily the ones in the hospital. Like yeah. they were scary. Don't get me wrong. They right. kept, you know, those moments were scary. And we had some particularly scary um, days that were part of the back and forth between the hospitals and everything else. Yeah. Um, it was interesting when I got out of the hospital then and when, you know, and after the last time I was out of the hospital and we were like, okay, this is CIDP. And then it was, you know, we were doing plasma freeze treatments weekly. You know, we knew that I would tank every 10, if, if we left it 10 or 14 days. Mm-hmm. So we did, you know, we would do, we would do my treatment every seven days and we were doing that for months. And so when I was getting that treatment, and then would have bad days. Yeah. At first, that would scare me to death. That was really, really hard because every other time that had happened in this thing, it had been I was tanking and I needed my plasma phoresis treatment. Well, I just maybe I just had it, you know. Yeah. So yeah. now what's wrong? Now what's right. going on? You know. And it took. I didn't. I would just. I would just. I think I just was assuming that I was about to hit bottom again. Yeah. And okay. now I'm coming to understand that you can go a step back, you know, it's not going to be just straight back. And someone could have told me that. And, you know, intellectually, obviously, I yep. understand that concept, yeah. but I hadn't lived it yet. Yeah. Um, so that was a big deal in learning that. But even even with that, um, I will I will share because I think it's important to know for people to kind of yep. hear what these symptoms were and hear what was going on because it is super rare, but 
it can happen. Yeah. Um, you know, in the last, I have my moments, and it's also where I do have pity parties every now and again, and I need yeah. to suck myself out of them. Um, yeah. But I have them. Uh, last week or a week or two ago, you know, I started to have ringing in my ears, and okay. then moments where I would just my hearing just goes really muffled and it's like, it goes away. Like I can't hear oh, for 20 seconds okay. and then it comes back. Okay. Um, that has only happened a couple of times, but that, mm-hmm. that, that, that freaked me out. Yep. Um, and I'm, you know, talking to my neurologist and we're trying to figure out what's going on mm-hmm. and it may be, um, medication. It may be a side effect of, mm-hmm. you know, there's a, there's an army of medications that I need right now to, to keep me moving and, you know, there's a there's a chronic pain, constant pain situation that people should understand that comes with yeah. this. Um, those feet that were were tingling are now they they feel like they're frozen 24 seven. They yeah. feel like, and this has been either my hands or my feet or both have been this way uh, for 10 months now, yeah. where um, it's a, a, a burning pain like cold burning, like you're coming in from the cold or like you've got frostbite and they're starting to thaw got it. Okay. Um, and the pins and needles and the stabbing and that's always there. So there's yeah. a lot of medication that goes into managing that pain yeah. um, to make going to work and getting through your day and whatever possible. But it's possible that, you know, all of that medication mm-hmm. um, is causing this ringing and these problems in my ears. Yeah. It could be that it's the CIDP itself. We honestly don't know. Got it. Um, it could be something entirely separate that yeah. has nothing to do with either one of them. We yeah. just really don't know. But yeah. when that happens, when, you know, that particularly that those moments of like not just ringing, but then feeling like the world muffled away mm. and I couldn't hear, um, that that freaked me out. Yeah, and I, I Yeah, I had a pretty low-key weekend. <laughs> yeah. I just didn't want to, you know, I, it was a pity party. There's no yeah. other way. Like, suddenly, I did not care about getting the workouts in that I wanted to, about staying up on my strengths and continuing to, you know, do the things that I know are important. Yeah. Um, I sat on the couch. Yeah. And, um, yeah. But, it, you know, 48 it's hours human. later, you go... What are you doing? Is this how you're going to spend your life? Like, yeah, yeah. What yeah. are you doing? No, I'm okay. glad you shared you know, that. It's though, another man. thing. It's another setback. Yeah. yeah, it's not always like no problem. I can right. handle this. There are there are things that suck. There are yeah. days that the pain gets the most of me. Yeah, and I will say the pain. You know, I'll say to someone, you know, hey, the pain's really bad today. But I am, I am, I'm. I always have this mental being with myself right now of wondering, yeah. is it that the pain is worse or is it that it's exactly the same, but uh, there are some days that I, I can deal yeah. and there are some days that I just can't or after yeah. X number of days of dealing, I've reached my breaking point right. and um, I can't and it just feels worse to me yeah. than it did others, you know, so it's not a perfect scenario. I have yeah. my dips yeah. and um, there's, absolutely going to be more coming. I have yeah. no idea what this disease has in store for me. Yeah. Um, no idea if I'm going to be, you know, one of the lucky ones that goes into remission or if I'm going to be one of the ones that, you know, the treatment that's working for me now suddenly stops working with no heads up right. that happens to people. Got it. Okay. And then what do you do? Yeah. You know, yeah. there's a million different outcomes and I have no idea what they're going to be. Yeah. Um, so yeah. Yeah. Well, I just appreciate you sharing that because it's, it's, you know, like I love hearing, you know, I love hearing how your mindset, it's like I'm so impressed with your approach and how you've kind of just managed to work through challenging things in your life and in, in this situation. But 
I mean, I, I love that you're just like showing us that human side where it's like, yeah, there's those setbacks and some days where I just need to be like by myself or, you know, not leave the house. And then it yeah. sounds like you kind of say to yourself, almost like that question you said earlier, like, what are you doing this for? Like, you know, like, just getting your, yeah, getting yourself back in it, you know, but like yep. it, it, to be yep. there all the time, it just, that would be, yeah, it sounds like, you know, we just, no one's, no one's a uh, superhuman and or robotic, I guess, where you're no able to do yep. that. So yeah, thank you for sharing that. Um, oh my gosh, absolutely. You know, um, I'm just going to ask you one more question because I don't want to keep you forever. But if you were able to summarize one thing that you, or not one thing, like what have you learned about yourself? Um, or yeah, what have you learned about yourself? Oh and maybe even like, yeah, let's just keep it simple. What have you learned about yourself through, through this experience? My Lord. Um, no, it's not an easy question to end on. It, <laughs> it is not an easy question. It is not an easy question. What have I learned? Um, I think I've learned and I've learned through this and I've learned through this whole process of, you know, all of these things that we've talked about so far is that, I don't, oh my God, being, it's reinforced how important choosing to be positive is. Mm, you choose it. Choice. Yeah. You choose it. And I, I know I didn't learn that in this. I know yeah. that that's part of the what are you doing this for yeah. process yeah. of making a choice on the, you know, Ironman Wisconsin course to have a good day. I was going to have a good day. Yeah. I was going to have a good day. I did not go through all of this to not have a good day. And yeah. so maybe you redefine in the moment what a good day is, mm-hmm. um, but you choose, you choose, um, yeah. you choose how you respond. You, you have no choice in what's thrown at you. You know, I could re I can go back to the what ifs of either the dog or mm-hmm. the, you know, choosing the rabies vaccine or not, or I could go back to, you know, the, how could I not watch my stuff? coming out of, you know, that, that, um, the conference center and how, you know, in the yeah. way that I broke my foot yeah. by not looking where I was going, like I have done a hundred million times in my life. Right. Um, or the what if of, I brought my bike to be a complete overhaul, you know, two weeks before the race, yeah. like you're supposed to do right. paid for having every nook and cranny looked at. And oh. as it turns out, they did not investigate the shape of my cable. Oh my goodness. They shifted and so what they pulled out was this raveled, worn cable that over time there's no way that happened in, you know, two rides. And the mechanics that worked on it apologized to me profusely. Oh yeah. Um, for missing it. Yeah. But, you know, there it does you no benefit yeah. to go back and do the what ifs and how could and why. It just it's you're gonna end up you know, they're they're in life hell, right? To yeah. trap yourself in that. Oh yes. Um but I think I knew all of those things ahead of time. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um so I guess I guess what I've learned is the reminder maybe of how important those things are. Yeah. Um I have absolutely learned um, and again, reinforced because mm-hmm. this is this is a known thing for me. Yeah. Um, how how important my friends and family are. Mm-hmm. Um, you hear so often said that you know you you find out who people are mm-hmm. in those moments. You know these these horrible circumstances mm-hmm. or whatever. Yeah. Um, 
I didn't have to learn anything bad about anybody. You know, like everybody was right there. They were right there. There isn't anything that I've come. I'm so lucky in that. Um, So I learned, but it's, but it reinforces, you know, the strength of the network, how important family is, how important it is, you know, to, to stay connected to my sister. Um, Mm. The fact that, you know, she lives in the burbs and we don't see each other all Mm. the time. Like, I think we've done a better job since I've been out of the hospital of making a point of seeing each other and checking in with each other and how are you doing and and things like that. So it's it's a reinforcement of things that are important, um, that it's the experiences in life, that it's, you know, Mm -hmm. it's, it's all of those things. And that, okay, I can I can have horrible things happen and I can get through them in a way that, um, you know, it it feels weird. You're taught to be humble, but I am very proud of the fact that people keep looking at me and saying, um, you're so positive, you know, you've been through this and and I'm amazed at how positive you are. Like I I, I take that to heart and I'm I'm very proud of that, that I've managed to get through it this way. Um, so I've learned that I can, you know, I can do this and I'm not, maybe it's just that it's, it's not just that it's, um, oh, I can live it as well as speak it, you know, ah. it's, it's, I can live it, I can live it in, I can live it in, in rough moments that I never in a million years dreamed were coming. Yeah. Um, and so I hope that means that I will live it in the hard moments that, mm. that are certainly coming next, whether it's my stuff or, you know, yeah. whatever, whatever, yeah. whatever, who and whoever it's for. Yeah, that's beautiful. So oh. long-winded answer as usual. That, that's no. what I think no. that's <laughs> <laughs> No, like it's, yeah, you, you, you know what? Those, those answers have so much like, like just like wealth of like good stuff in them. And like, I just really, I just really appreciate you taking some time to like to share some of that because yeah, like, and you know, it's, it's it's a bit off from the distance, but I've, you've definitely been, and I said this in the beginning, but it's just, it's been an inspiration. Like, if I'm having a, a bad day, it's like, okay, all right, Lynn is, like, dealing with some stuff. I'm, like, I'll use you as, like, my little pick-me-up, you know? It's like, it's... Oh, my goodness. But that's true. It's like, I, and we all have, sep- we all have our setbacks that are relative to us and whatever we're going through. And it's like, I don't know, it just, it, you're this really nice reminder of, um, just, you know, making the most of whatever you're dealing with. And, uh, yeah, that, I don't know. I just keep thinking of the words like grace and grit and just that positivity that you're bringing forth. And, um, yeah, I have just so much respect for it, Lynn. So I, I can't wait to, we, we should do a podcast in like a month or a year or so. And I'd love to just hear <laughs> where you're at, you know what I mean? Cause I just hope it can Where I'm at, what's going on. Yeah. Just cause I just hope I hope things keep moving forward for you with this. And I'm just sending you like all the, the blessings in the world that, you know, things keep, oh, you know, you. moving in the right direction. So, um, thank you yeah, so much. Yeah. And thank you so much for listening to my interview with Lynn Rogers. I so appreciated her taking the time to share her story because it's powerful and it's ongoing. I have so much admiration for Lynn as an individual and how she's shown up for herself. She seems to have developed a growth-oriented mindset early in her life, where she was able to be in those moments of when things don't go as planned. She didn't run from those moments. She figured out a way to navigate through those experiences that worked for her as an individual. I feel like that's almost the definition of a growth mindset. I'm stealing the term from Carol Dweck and and her book called Mindset, The New Psychology of Success. It's a fantastic book 
I'll link to it in the show notes. I'll also link to her TED Talk, which is worth a listen. The reason I mention it is because we can all develop a growth mindset and begin to focus on the process rather than only on the results. It's so powerful, and I feel like Lynn is such a beautiful example of this. Some of us might listen to Lynn's story and think she's superhuman, and in some ways, I think she is. But she's also been practicing this mindset for a long time, as we saw in part one of our conversation. I think the growth mindset is also a big piece of how Lynn was able to reach out for help and support and create her community and tribe early on. When the process and the results weren't enjoyable, she was open to trying something new. She was navigating a new way through that experience, and she was open to reaching out. For me personally, that's a powerful reminder. Those are some of my takeaways. I would love to hear what you came away with after listening to this episode. Please share on this podcast page on my website, www.ryanwellness.com, or on my Instagram page, at Ryan Wellness. Thanks again. I'm looking forward to hearing from you. Take care. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Becoming Aligned. If you haven't already, please subscribe to Becoming Aligned and rate and review this podcast. I'm Maureen Ryan, and I hope you'll join us next time. Take care.